What's up, Braves Nation? This is the Ethos Braves Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John McKay, and on the other side is the wise, but my best friend in the world, John McKay. Jeremy Bell. Jeremy, how's it going? It's good. It is, uh, it's raining here uh, yep. on this uh, Friday, and something that uh, we have desperately needed over the last uh, month, month and a half, and it's coming down pretty good. So it's like the Mets raining on the Braves. That's what it is. It's also ah, the start of football season over there, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah, scrimmage, uh, scrimmage Friday night. Uh, that's uh, teams can uh, can start scrimmaging, and and um, middle school has uh, already kind of begun their jamboree type thing where they get together with uh, two or three schools, and and uh, so for the next uh, two weeks, uh, high school season can start scrimmaging, and uh, Murray High, which is the school that I cover for. Uh, has a scrimmage Friday night against Marshall County, and then uh, we'll scrimmage again, probably some type of jamboree type thing with two or three other schools uh, the next week. And, and then uh, in two weeks, we get started with high school football. Will that be on the radio, or will the scrimmage be on the radio? No, no. I, you know what, John? It's ironic enough. I think in the years that I've done Murray High football, I have been to one scrimmage. Oh, wow. One. Only one. And that's just by design. Uh, because I like to, you know, the time that I have off during the seat, during the, you know, middle, uh, the, the middle portion of the year when I don't do basketball or football, I try to just stay away. Uh, I try to just get away and, and not do anything because I know that coming up, it's going to be a busy year. Uh, and so actually Friday morning, we were supposed to go uh, meet with the coach Bowen. That's why I kind of pushed our time up a little bit. Uh, but then my broadcast partner came down with the flu. <laughs> so, so uh, lucky he has it now and not in two weeks. But, um, but uh, anyway, we'll, we usually um, after that first scrimmage, we get together with the coach and, uh, you know, find out what's going on in summer. So my prep really starts after this scrimmage tonight. So I'll start getting ready for what goes on uh, over the next, uh, you know, a couple of months. I'll start getting ready for it. So. Uh, lots of fun, though. Should be fun. Speaking of staying away, I think the Braves would like to stay away from the Mets. But I do need <laughs> to bring, bring up something that's kind of sad. Um, yeah. Vin Scully passed away. Yeah. You know, it's um, since I'm old, John, um, I don't go as far back as Vin Scully did with the Dodgers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, 67 years, I think. Uh, somebody – I was listening to uh, the, the Dan Patrick show, a sports talk show I listened to in the morning. And, and he was saying the people of, of Los Angeles were really lucky uh, because they had uh, Vince Scully uh, for, the, for the Dodgers for, for uh, 67 years. Uh, now, not of that time, some of that time not in L.A., but uh, majority of that time in L.A. because he right. started with them when they were in Brooklyn. They had Chick Hearn for the Lakers uh, for, you know, what, 50-something years, I think. So, you know, they were and, – and, and some others, I think some hockey and uh, the, the Kings and some others. So they have, you know, these guys to listen to that stayed there forever uh, and ever. And, and um, you know, Vince Scully was one of those guys who, who uh, uh, was very knowledgeable about the game, uh, you know, just, um, just a calm, soothing voice, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, a guy that everybody liked. Um, although, uh, if you'd ask my, my broadcast partner, he, he kind of makes fun because I like Vince Scully. He was never a big fan of Vince Scully because he thought he was just too dry. Uh, so, 
when I got the baseball package off of Direct TV, I could watch games out in LA and I could listen to Vince Scully. Um, so it was nice. You know, Vince Scully was uh, a guy who did a lot of his games alone uh, for many of the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he was a guy when I when I grew up, he was the guy when I was growing up. He was the guy on Saturday afternoon. Uh, you would get a chance to watch um, Saturday afternoon baseball mm-hmm. uh, back in the the mid to late seventies, uh, early eighties. Uh, before you know TBS came on and, and WGN out of Chicago and and even WOR out of New York, we could pick that up at times to get the Mets. Um, but but with the Braves when they came started coming on TBS, um, it was Saturday afternoon baseball, and then you had Monday night baseball on ABC, and that was about it as far as when you could watch baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Saturday afternoon game was Ben Scully and Joe Garagiola. And then uh, after Tom Seaver retired, uh, it was uh, Vince Scully and Tom Seaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did the Saturday afternoon. So you could watch, uh, you know, like the, the Yankees, the Mariners, uh, you know, uh, the Dodgers. You could watch teams from out of your region, which was the Cardinal region, I guess. You could watch teams out of your region, and you never saw them any other time. Um, it, and if the Cardinals were playing, they usually had that game on. Uh, but Ben was usually doing the, the the national game, the game that went out to the whole, you know, the whole nation, and and um, you know it, it was. And then Al Michaels did uh, the the uh, Tuesday, I mean the Monday night game. Uh, mm. So uh, you know, a great voice to listen to. But but that's who I grew up with uh, watching, and that's when one of the reasons why I really wanted to get into broadcasting sports was was Vince Scully, and then you know when you turn on. Uh, NBC again. You had Bob Costas. You had uh, you turned on TBS and you had uh, you know Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren and and, and um, you know Ernie Johnson Sr. You had those guys and, and that's what got me into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it, it is sad, but um, he was a, a, a great voice. Uh, he he was a voice you recognized. Uh, always willing to do an interview and and um, you know kept all his scorebooks. Uh, for many years, that would be a, a prized treasure to have, would be some of those scorebooks that he had uh, from the years of yeah. of uh, doing games. Um, so, it, you know, just a, 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 a big presence over the years uh, when I was growing up uh, for baseball. Uh, and and, and, it, and it's sad, but, you know, 94, he lived a long time. You know, he's doing Dodger games up until, you know, five or six years ago. Oh yeah. Um, so he was still doing games. Didn't travel, you know. Um, Joe Buck, not Joe Buck, Jack Buck, and and Mike Shannon. Even though I I didn't like you know the Cardinals, you know I still listened to those guys because the station that I worked for did Cardinal games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still listened to those guys. Um, you know, and it's funny on on uh, a story on Jack Buck uh, and and Mike Shannon. Um, there was you know after the game they would always do. Uh, they would always do a rap, mm-hmm. um, not a rap as in, you know, like a, a rap, like what you would hear on the radio. Uh, okay. Um, they had a rap that they would do of the game, basically. Mm-hmm. So they'd send you about a 30, 45 second snippet of the game. Uh, afterwards, they would do it just right after the game. So you would, if, if you were working in radio, you were working the board, you knew that right after you would have to record the rap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you would have it ready to go, uh, you know, and they would do it as soon as they signed off. You know, they'd say, okay, here comes your rap coming up in three, two, one, and they would go right into it. Well, one time, 
apparently somebody forgot to tell the janitorial staff that they were still working and they had uh, a vacuum cleaner running in the background and oh, Jack Buck just Jack Buck just went off on them. I mean, it was the most funniest thing that you could imagine. I mean, he he laid out a few words, uh, choice words, the words at that time you couldn't say on the radio uh, <laughs> or TV or anything else, and it was hilarious. And he got over his rant, and he just immediately, boom, here comes your rap, three, two, one, and went right into it. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's what those guys did. I mean, those guys were always, it didn't matter what went on, you know, they were the guys that were there in front of the action. Uh, and they they never wavered in anything that they they did. It didn't nothing bothered them uh, that you could tell at least uh, nothing ever bothered them. They would they just to the professionals. And, and Vince Scully was a guy who you know he did the Masters. I mean he did all sorts of things. Wow. Uh, that he was he was he was just a, a guy that was around for a long time. So uh, it, it's a it's sad, but uh, he moves on. And a lot of those guys, you know, they're retiring. Uh, you know, Mike Shannon doesn't do Cardinal games anymore. Uh, you know, Al Michaels is still around, uh, yeah. which, you know, you still get to hear him on, on football. But um, the other guy, um, you've got, um, uh, you know, there's a few other voices uh, around uh, that you, um, you know, Bob Eucher up in up in Milwaukee, he still yep. does games, uh, you know. And, and so there's a few of those voices still around when I was growing up. So uh, it, it's kind of nice to be able to, to, to keep that around but they are unfortunately as we all are getting older uh and they're not you know able to do games anymore <laughs> it, it, <laughs> which is sad but Bur the new coming on is not bad either so is marty brenneman still with the reds no he even retired uh you know he he had retired and uh you know his son up until you know a couple of years ago was um they were working together um, and, and of course he, uh, Tom got into some trouble with some things that he said on the air. Um, and, and so he got, he got fired by the Reds, uh, which by the way, I, you know, I do believe in second chances and I hate to see that voice, you know, left off. And yes, he made a mistake. I get it. But, um, but, uh, they were working together and they worked together for several years, but he's retired, okay. uh, you know, still around. But, uh, but yeah, he's retired. But Marty, Marty Brenneman, the other guy that was, uh, you know, that was around for a long time uh, with the Reds. Um, if, if Hack doesn't like uh, Vince, uh, Vince Scully, does he, does he not like uh, Skip Carey? Um, I don't know if he really knows anything about, knows a lot about Skip, uh, Skip Carey, Chip Carey, either one of them. Uh, Chip, oh. I don't know that he is. You know, Hack is more, Hack's going to be the one who, who uh, who loves Joe uh, loves Jack Buck, mm -hmm. uh, loves Mike Shannon, mm -hmm. uh, those guys. Even though uh, you could almost get that Jack Buck was a little bit dry, uh, although Jack Buck was a little more of a straight shooter than maybe what Ben Scully was. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jack would tell you tell you what he thought and uh, didn't have any trouble telling you what he thought. And of course, Jack was a a, a voice. Uh, for for CBS, whenever they took over baseball, that was Jack Buck. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you you can remember uh, the uh, the memorable call that Jack Buck made when Kurt Gibson hit the home run in 1988 to win uh, win the game in the World Series, and he said, "I can't believe what I just saw." Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that was Jack Buck and in, in his call, um, and and so uh, that would be Hack. He would like those guys, but that's he's a homer. 
You know, oh, yeah. he, he you know loves the Cardinal guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did I hear that Colt? Uh, not Coleman. Uh, Vince Scully did the same call. He called the same game. Yeah, he did. You know, he did the Dodgers games. I mean, that's, that's what he did. He was he was the uh, you know uh, the radio voice of the Dodgers. Uh, so so he was he was there uh, for the '88 series. You know, he was there with all the Dodger championships, basically. Um, what the Dodgers won in in um, I'm trying to I got to remember this. Uh, Dodgers '81. You know, they won several others, but. Uh, at least in my era, you know, they won in 81, they won in 88. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we can go on uh, with, with many others there. The, um, you know, the one previous in, in 20, which the Braves should have won. Uh, but um, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so he was around, uh, you know, for many of those championship years and saw some great classic matchups. You know, the Yankees there uh, for a couple of years, it was, uh, the Yankees and Dodgers, and those were some great matchups. And, and even the Dodgers that year that they won it, they weren't supposed to win it mm-hmm. in 88. Uh, the, the A's were supposed to win it because they had that Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. Uh, you know, they had Dennis Eckersley, who, by the way, gave up the home run to Kurt Gibson. You know, mm-hmm. they had a great team, a great hitting team, and even a great pitching team. Uh, but uh, they ended up winning it the next year in 89 uh, against – uh, the Giants, but uh, but yeah, Vince Scully was there. He called that game too. He also, I heard he also called the Hank Aaron uh, seven fifteen home run. Yes, yeah, that was against you know that was against Al Downing um, and the Dodgers. You know, Al Downing gave up that gave up that homer uh, to to Henry Aaron. So yeah, he was there too. Uh, yeah, he called the game. I didn't yeah. realize against the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, it's the old, uh, you know, sitting on seven fourteen, swinging. There's a drive, you know, and Henry Aaron is the new home run champ. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I heard that call the other day, and it kind of brought chills because. Yeah, it does. What Dusty Baker on deck, I believe, uh, for the for the Braves. So so yeah, it um, it does uh, it does you know all those calls. Uh, and again, you know, I only got to listen to uh, you know the guys on TV. Uh, you know, when I was a little bit older uh, and, and able to drive and late at night when I was coming home from games or something, you know, you could you could pick up some of those radio stations that mm-hmm. um, that you would get uh, when when all the, the other smaller stations would basically go off the air uh, for the night and, and get out of the way of the big boys, what they called the clear channels. KMOX out of St. Louis was kind of a clear channel, 50,000 watt AM that could go nationwide pretty much late at night uh, because the signal carried. So I would pick up, you know, that out of, you know, out of Cleveland, out of Dallas, out of Pittsburgh, uh, wow. you know, just other, just a wide variety of things that you could just pick up. Now, granted, you'd have to play around with the A, with the receiver. You don't do that anymore, by the way. <laughs> so you'd have to play around with the receiver and get it in that right spot. But, but you could and get those stations. Uh, and so you could listen to those guys uh, all the time and, and uh, you know it was it was kind of fun. You know, people get attached to those voices. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been doing high school sports for thirty. I think this is this will be twenty seven for me doing um, doing Murray High this year. Uh, somewhere in the thirty five range, I think, because mm-hmm. uh, I did six years for Marshall, then I did a couple years in high school. So somewhere in that thirty five year range, I've been doing high school sports, and and people do get attached to those voices, and even we in this area have guys who have done games for a long period of time. Uh, some of which by the way are retiring. Uh, but we've had guys that have done games for long times. 
long, long times. And so people get attached to those voices and like to listen to those guys. And, and this gig is getting tougher and tougher. Uh, nobody wants to go into it anymore. And some of the guys that are retiring are almost having to come back because there's nobody there to fill the spot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like here at Murray State, people are attached to Neil Bradley. Oh, yeah. um, everybody loves <laughs> Neil Bradley. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves Neil Bradley and, and, and don't know, and even Neil, because Neil has since retired uh, from the, the local radio station here, uh, and he did that back in December, and, and uh, well, first of the year, uh, so, but he's still doing Murray State things, so he's still going to be on the air, but people, you know, kind of up in arms when he retired because they've, they've heard that voice for so long, and now he's gone. Uh, not on the air, not gone completely, but, you know, just not on the air. So they miss those kind of things because they grew up uh, listening to those. And, and um, you know, it's it's a dying breed almost, but, uh, you know, it, it, we're still around for a little bit longer, I guess. I've got a feeling people are going to revolt when you uh, you and Hack retire. <laughs> you know what, John? It's it's kind of ironic. I, I talked about uh, retiring this last year. I, this last year was almost it for me. Um, because I, I just was a little frustrated with some things and, um, and, uh, so I, I actually contemplated it very seriously, um, uh, after the season was over, uh, and after that final game, I didn't go, uh, to Rupp Arena whenever the, um, the boys, uh, went to the state tournament. I, I, I told them I could go. I'd actually said, no, I wasn't going. And then I changed my mind and then they said, no, we don't need you to go. We'll just. You know, we'll just take the network feed, which then frustrated me even more, by the way. Uh, but uh, but I had actually contemplated it just because of the schedule you have to keep sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets very uh, frustrating. Sometimes, most of the time, it's very rewarding, um, oh. you know, uh, because you get to know the kids, you get to know the parents. And, and um, you know, uh, and it's it's fun, you know, watching the kids that, that – um, watching the, the kids that my daughter grew up with and seeing them come up and being able to call them on the radio. And then when my son, who just recently graduated from high school himself, watching those kids grow up and, and you be able to call their names on the radio. So that's fun. But now that those, they're, they're graduated, so you have to learn a whole new set of parents. And, and um, you know, it's, it's fun. And, but I, I have, you know, seriously given some thought over the last year or so of giving it up, but it's also hard because that is something that you have done, mm-hmm. um, something you've done for 30 something years. And, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough to give up because, uh, you know, people expect you to be there. You know, I, I actually went on vacation uh, during um, a stretch of basketball games, something I haven't done in a long time, but that was the only time that we could go on vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, um, we, we took it uh, because of, of my daughter's schedule and, of course, my son still being in high school. The only time we go on vacation was right in the middle of the what we call the All-A, mm-hmm. which is a – but it was the regional games. Uh, you know, the girls had already lost, and so we decided, okay, we're going to head out and go take a few days off. And, and, and some people were mad that I took a vacation during that time because the games weren't on. And, and I'm like, Neil did one of them for me, as a matter of fact, so I really just missed two games. Some people got mad, and that really kind of started me talking about retirement That's uh, because because I wondered, you know, you know, when am I ever going to get a chance to take a vacation because we can't take a vacation in the summer because that's when my wife is busier, uh, and my daughter had been at times being a summer old counselor at Murray State, 
she was busy too. So mm-hmm. we, we couldn't take a vacation. When were we going to take a vacation? You know, when football season started, you couldn't do it then. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's, that's, that's life, I guess. But, uh, you know, we're going to go at it at least one more year and, and uh, see where we go from there. But, you know, working with Hack has been fun. And I think that's what makes it fun is when you're able to work with somebody that you have a good time with. Uh, well, so, yeah, go ahead. Vin Scully's proof that it's hard to get out of because he was in it for over 67 years. So Yeah, yeah, and it, and it is. And, and um, you know, he, he enjoyed what he did and, and uh, had, a, had a big time with it. And, and, and I, I once heard him say that when it was time for him to get out, um, was when one when he didn't enjoy it anymore. Two when his mind was kind of going uh, a little bit. Uh, those were the top two things. And and he said um, after that, I think his 67th season when he said announced his retirement, he said my mind's still here. I still enjoy it, but I think it's time, you know, kind of for me to step aside. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think his wife was not in too good of health either, and she had passed away. Uh, so uh, you know he. He decided it was time to get out. But you know what? That, that first game or that first spring training or that whatever that he missed, boy, I bet it was hard. Oh, I bet. I bet it was hard. Ugh. Because I know it's going to be for me. It's going to be hard for me not, you know, not going and, and, and doing things. And so, anyway. <laughs> You're talking about the kids that you get to talk and you get to interact with weirdos like me. Well, no, 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 no. It's, it's fun, you know. We've had more fun interacting with the, and that's what I got into the to the sport for too, is to interact with the people. You know, yeah. if I see somebody with what a long time, you know, a long time when I started, people would bring their radio to the game and they would listen, and you'd say hi to them. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you know, uh, or, or you know, you'd have a great play to go by and said, hey, you know, Joe, what'd you think about that play? You know, or or something like that. And um, you know, Andrew Orr's dad, I've talked about this before. He he was an avid listener and, and, um, but he would, you know, the problem is he would listen to the stream. So he was just a, about 10 seconds behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the play would happen. And then 10 seconds later, he'd hear it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I, I love interacting with the fans and at Murray, you know, we're, we're very close to the fans. You know, we, I stick my head out the window and, and touch a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, we're just right there at it and it's great because, uh, it just adds a little more perspective to the game, and I like being there uh, right with the with the fans. It makes for me it's a little more exciting too. It gets my emotions going or not going or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but interacting, that's what I like to do. And but you know, hey, look, sometimes there are those that you don't want to interact with, some that that you can't make happy for anything. Mm. Um, and and I I've I've had that over the years, and uh, I've had to. I've had to watch my own tongue at times because, um, you know, people, again, just don't expect – people don't know what – if you were to ask my wife uh, the schedule that we keep uh, for doing games and stuff, nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody would want to do that. You know, as soon as work's over, boom, you're going right to – you know, Friday night – Friday night football is usually <clears throat> um, if I, if a typical home game, mm-hmm. okay? Um, so – uh, I, you know, I'm at work. Uh, I'm off at. Um, I'm off. You know, around that five-ish. I grab. I grab. Uh, I grab supper. I'm sitting at the uh, football stadium already. Uh, if not by five or close to it, uh, I'm setting up the equipment. I'm eating my food at six o'clock. We're going on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 
so a typical day, eight to eight to five, I'm at, you know, at five, I'm at the football stadium, I'm eating and six, I'm going on. And by 10 o'clock, we're done. So a typical day of uh, Friday night football is eight o'clock in the morning, you're at work and it, on Fridays, I used to go in even at 7.15, but uh, 8 o'clock and you're done at 10 mm-hmm. uh, So and at night. Uh, so it's a long day, and people don't want to keep up that schedule. Uh, so people – and that and those people that, you know, kind of get mad at, at stuff, but you just don't understand the schedule Ow. that you keep, you know? Well. Yeah. I, <laughs> we, we've texted back and forth during games about the people, and they – <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. The one, the, the one in particular happened during basketball season, I believe, if you <laughs> yeah. recall. Um, and and that really that's the other part that got me going as far as maybe wanting to retire. Um, yeah. And I also had to change my change, and I've changed a lot of things over the years. But I also had to change my way a little bit of of how I broadcast girls' games because the girls were not that great this year and you've been used to watching excellence out on the field. And at times you get frustrated, uh, but you're frustrated for the kids because you know that they can do better. You're not frustrated at them. You're frustrated for them. Uh, you know, you don't, you're never going to say, well, that was, that was just a terrible play. I can't believe, you know, not like I yell at the TV at times whenever I'm watching the Braves games. Um, (laughs) but I don't do that. You know, it's not like you're going to say you're going to just, you know, berate the kid no. uh, for doing something wrong. That's not the, that's not what it's about. That's not what it is. You know, you're you're as frustrated for them because you know they know they made a mistake and you know that they want to correct it and stuff. And and so you you, you do have to watch what you say. And I, I had to change my my whole style a little bit uh, in in doing the girls' games just to kind of show people. I had to get a little bit more. Um, you know, if if um, analytics were involved or stats if i had the elias sports bureau i was looking them up last night i was really bored during the game last night okay so <laughs> um if the elias sports bureau was around for high school sports then then i could have helped them out on a lot of things because you had i would have i was having to just show people here's what's happening mm-hmm. here's what you need to look out for here's where we need to be and and i don't usually do that because Stats sometimes just throw me off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could come to a game and be very prepared for a football game, but then I, I mess myself up uh, mm-hmm. with all these stats and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that I've learned over the years that I can't get too caught up in looking at stats because then I'll mess something up. Maybe one or two, but not when I break it down into 50,000 stats, which you could come up with. So, okay. anyway, yeah. Well, we've beat it around the bush. And I guess we do have to talk. Now, that's called avoiding. It's called avoiding. It's what it's called, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, (laughs) Well, Spencer Strider pitched good on uh, Tuesday night. He did. He really, really did. Um, Yeah, great game on his part. And, of course, the Braves got him some runs, too, uh, which which really helped out. Everybody hitting, uh, you know, with the exception of Matt Olson, who didn't get a hit in the game. But he did walk and, and scored a couple of runs. Uh, which uh, which was great, um, but still, um, you know, Spencer Spencer was the was the guy. Thirteen strikeouts, um, almost went seven. Uh, you know, didn't he couldn't finish it up there at the at the end. But three hits, he gave up one run, uh, one walk, and thirteen strikeouts. Is that uh, so? Very, high? Pardon? I believe that's his career high. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think so. Um, very efficient game. 
you know Spencer Strider's gonna gonna get in there and pitch, man. You know it. Yeah. Um, but the bullpen came in and um, Magic, you know, pitched two thirds of an inning, and Jackson Stevens finished it up with an inning and two thirds as well, um, and and so did a great job. But everybody hitting, and and I I said it that night. Um, I, I said 13 runs. I said, oh boys. I said we got to save some runs for for Wednesday afternoon. We got to save some runs for Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, you know, we, it didn't happen. We didn't save any runs for Wednesday afternoon, by the way. So, uh, you know, we could have we could have used, you know, we scored six in the fifth inning in this game on Tuesday night. We could have just used three of those. And yeah. we would have been okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, there's tons of people who stood out to me in this game. I know Strider stood out to me. Yeah. yeah. You know. Austin Riley Eddie Ro- plays, yeah, Eddie, 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 Eddie Rosario had a good game as well, three for five with five RBIs. Yep. Um, you know, Marcel Ozuna, we're going to get into that, you know, here against in, in when we start talking about the Mets, about what I think some of the problems are right now. Ozuna had three hits, three for five himself. Uh, you know, RCI, I believe in this game, had a homer. Um and then uh, Harris had a hit, too. So, everybody got hits, again, except Matt Olson. But Matt Olson was on base, got a walk, and I believe he got on through an error, I think, at one point. That's the other time he got on because he scored two runs. He had to be on base another time, and I believe that was what it was. But Dansby, another good game. So, uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're great accolades to go all around. Uh, but the problem is we just didn't back it up on, on Wednesday. And then, of course, you, you couple that in with Thursday night's loss to the Mets, and now we're looking at a potential of something we haven't done all year. And that's three losses in a row. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's not time to start this now. No. Uh, so, but anyway, but we'll, we'll go into that a little bit when we get to talking about the Mets. So I'm going to go with co-players. I'm, I have, we haven't done this all year, but I'm going to go with co-players for this game. I'm going to go okay. Eddie Rosario and Spencer Schroeder. What do you think? Uh, I'll concur. Yes. Uh, excellent. You know, Eddie's starting to hit the ball a little bit better. Um, and, and you knew that, and again, as my kid told me, and, and he's, he's been at the plate more times than I have, uh, the last 10 years. So, I mean, obviously he knows how important those eyes are and being able to see the ball. Okay. Mm -hmm. And as my kid told me with Eddie back early in the year, he said, something's wrong with Eddie. He's just not hitting the ball. And so then he went on the uh, injured list with that eye injury. He said, see, I told you that something was wrong. And I said, yes, son, you're right. So, so he is just getting to where able to see the ball better. Uh, and, and, and even on, on Thursday night, one of the hits he got, uh, a pitch up in the zone, and um, he went right after it and turned on one that was up high and kind of outside of the zone and hit this lazy little hit. But he got a hit. Uh, to get on base and it was something you know we needed base runners at the time and we just couldn't do anything else you know after he got on base but starting to see the ball better which is good because we need somebody down there in that lineup that middle middle of the lineup hitting the ball mm-hmm. uh, and 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 Eddie's starting to hit three hits and that's that's great you know the average is creeping up from where it was you know it was under a hundred by the way yep. Nope. He went on the injured list, so you knew something was wrong. So the only way he could go was up. But, uh, you know, if, if he starts, you know, hitting the ball and, and getting on base, that, that certainly starts helping things out. Were you talking about the single he got late in the game, like the eighth or the seventh inning? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, that... yeah it, was, it was up. I mean, you look at it, it was up. And, and it, he, he reached out like, you know, he almost needed to, 
hit the ball the other way, mm-hmm. okay? Because he, he, you know, he's down in that crouch and he pops up out of the crouch and just kind of reaches for it. But at, it was a, it wasn't a just a hard, hard pitch. It was kind of a lazy pitch, and so he was able to get the bat head out and turn on it, and then got the hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I and mean, those are the kind of things Eddie Rosario will do for you. Uh, you know, when he's hitting the ball because he's a much better hitter than what he showed. But obviously with that eye injury, uh, you know, he's not going to hit the ball. He's not going to see the ball. So it it makes it even tougher. So moving on to Wednesday. Yes. Charlie Morton pitched really good in my opinion. Oh, Charlie Morton pitched great. You know, it's another instance of a sad occasion where um, you, you weren't able to get a win out of it. I think what Max Reed, the last game he pitched, he didn't get a win out of it. Uh, because they didn't score. Uh, that was Sunday's game, I believe. Yeah. Um, and right. Charlie Morton, Charlie Morton pitched a whale of a game, and they were talking about it. I only got to listen to this game, so I was I was listening to the guys uh, on the radio. Peter Mullen being one of them, who has worked the last few games. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I like. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's funny. Um, yeah. uh, but a, a pitcher standpoint, uh, but he went six and two thirds. Uh, you know, couldn't get out of the seventh. They really wanted to. Um, you know, they wanted to get out of the seventh without any problems. But um, so he went six and two-thirds. They just didn't score any runs for him. But mm-hmm. you know what? He didn't allow much to go on either. Gave right. up three hits. He walked one guy, struck out eight, uh, no runs. But they were talking about how his pitches were were looking more and more like, uh, you know, he had gone to more of a four-seam fastball, uh, you know, and his pitches were looking more and more like the old Charlie Morton. Um and 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 he pitched a whale of a whale of a game, from what I heard, um, and that's good to see too, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But the problem was, you know, the bullpen came in and couldn't finish it up. And Colin McHugh, in that rare occasion, uh, and again, um, you know, okay, so this is a game a game of inches, okay. Mm-hmm. So let's just look at this a game of inches. I know what you're because, about because, yeah, in that seventh inning. Uh, I believe it was seventh, was sixth, no, it's eighth inning, it was seventh inning. No, eighth inning, wasn't it? Eighth believe, inning. Yeah, yeah, when, eight. when did they get the runs? I'm going to go back up here. Yeah, eight. the eighth inning, the eighth inning, the game of inches, they had first and third, they had one out, and it was Rio Muto, I believe, grounded yep. to Riley at third. He swings the turn to get the double play, and Rio Muto just barely beats it out. They right. had, matter of fact, they even had, um, they even went to the replay. And he just barely beat it out, yep. tying run scores, and then it was Cassianos who came up right after and hit the the uh, uh, go ahead home run to put him up three to one. A yep. game of inches, inches. That's what it was. So, <laughs> you know, you win some, you lose some, and that's nope. the case. Um, no replay, by the way, and the ump's going to be. Um, you know, a, a, a good man because he called him out, but he was safe. And I, I, I'm not arguing with replay. And and uh, so lo and behold, they tie the game. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine, no worries. Just got one guy on base. Let's get the out, and then Castiano hits the home run. Right. Um, I'm gonna go Charlie Morton on this one because Orlando yeah. Arcea hit a solo shot. Yep. yep. So I'm gonna go with uh, Charlie Morton on this one. I'm 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 with you. Uh, I'll take Charlie Morton all day in this game because he pitched a whale of a game. Um, you know, it, when looking back, and, and Colin McHugh has, has done this a couple of times where he's given up, um, given up the the you know home run that's given the lead, or he's been struggled. 
but boy, he's been good the rest of the times. And I guarantee you, the next time he goes out there, which will which will be this weekend against mm-hmm. the uh, Mets, he's going to pitch. You know, he's going to go out there, and he's a guy who could go out in an inning or two innings and throw twelve pitches and get right. and six outs. You know, right. uh, that's just the kind of pitcher that he is. And uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, we lost. I get it. Um, but ninety nine percent of the time, Colin McHugh is going to go out there and blow them away. Right. Uh, and it just didn't happen. And uh, the Phillies are a good hitting team, much like the Mets are a very good hitting team. And uh, so, you know, we got our we, we got our work cut out for us. You know, this game, what hurt in this game was the fact that, you know, the Nats had beaten the Mets uh, on Tuesday night. So we get a game back on Tuesday night uh, mm-hmm. because we won. And then on Wednesday, um, the, uh, the, the Mets end up beating the Nats pretty good. And we lose a game again and go back to three and a half. And so you start off, and then that rolls on into what we talk about with the Mets. So you start off with a loss to the Mets, and now you're four and a half out. So, you know, it was vitally important, I thought, to win Thursday night's game uh, just to, to keep in that range. And so I think we got our work cut out for us. Uh, so anyway, but that brings us into talking about the Mets. The yeah. Mets beat DeGrom. Yes, they did. They actually outdueled DeGrom. And DeGrom, who – uh, you know, I was thinking maybe he's on a pitch count probably. But, it, you know, if you're in the fifth inning and, you know, if you you know, normally if you're on a pitch count, you're not going to make it probably to the fifth or sixth inning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't throw a whole lot of pitches. OK, so, mm-hmm. you know, if he was on a pitch count, he made it to like the fifth inning, I think, sixth inning, maybe somewhere in there. And he still was in the 60 pitch range. So uh, but, yeah, and, you know, and then and again. You know, we're going to get the, – the Braves are going to get DeGrom on Sunday, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and and so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that game as well. But, again, if you're the Mets, you're in the driver's seat right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the the whole difference is going to be when the, if, when, the, when the Braves or if, whatever, they come back and they win two or three in a row, and then all of a sudden you're not actually in the driver's seat anymore, uh, you know, and, and you, need a, you need a win just to hold them at bay. But – now four and a half out with only four games left, you still are in the driver's seat because even if you win four in a row, they're still not in first place. Right. Uh, so, so that's why I thought, you know, two, Thursday night's game was vitally important to win. Cool story from that Nationals game. Uh, first baseman for the Na- uh, Nationals who is 30 years old and making his major league debut, Joey Mendesa, Mendesina. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Got his first major league home run. He uh, in the Braves organization back in huh. early 2015 or 14, 13, somewhere in there. Yeah. Huh. Uh, well, con- well, congratulations to him, by the way, because yeah. uh, you know making your major league debut and getting a homer, and and uh, I hope he got the ball back. I hope he did too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to Thursday, which was got, yes. last night. We have to. Yeah. Six four loss to the Nets. Uh, to, I said the Nets. The Mets. Yes. Oh, them too. Yeah, them too. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kyle Wright pitched six innings, I think. Five innings. Yeah, he pitched six innings. Yep. Six it's runs. six. Yeah, six runs. There's a problem. Four, yep. uh, you know, four uh, strikeouts and two walks. You know, I thought he threw the ball well. You know, the Mets are just going to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Kyle Wright's always going to be the guy throwing to uh, pitch into contact and, and, um, 
you know, the Mets just hit the ball. He, he got beat by the long ball is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, and he got beat by, um, and I believe, um, so was it Lindor, I think, got on base tw- by walks twice. Mm-hmm. And Pete Alonso came up and hit him in twice, if I recall. Home run on one of them. And then, but Lindor scored twice. The two walks that, that Kyle Wright gave up mm-hmm. were to Francisco Lindor. And both times he scored. So now look at the score, okay? If it's 6-4, to four, look at the score without those two walks. Mm-hmm. It's tied. Four to four. It's a different ball game, by the way, um, because Pete Alonso doesn't hit a two-run homer. He hits a he hits a solo homer, right? Uh, and probably the Braves are in the lead too around that time, uh, so they're playing from behind. So you look at those two walks, and and look, you can ask Kyle Wright. He's going to tell you the same thing. Hey, I pitched great, but I walked two. I walked Lindor twice, and he scored twice, and we lost by two runs. He's going to tell you the same thing because he's a pitcher. Uh, and pitchers are funny like that, but he's going to tell you the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the time, um, you know, at that one point, I think I, I, when I saw it bad, I was kind of off and on. Um, but Lindor, um, if I go back here, um, Lindor was um, his two walks. Actually, he only scored once. I'm sorry. I thought he scored twice. I'm sorry. He scored on the Pete Alonso. But um, – but he was on base twice, so mm-hmm. uh, so he kind of shot that theory down. But anyway, um, I could have swore he scored twice, but the box score only has one run. So, um, But it still it doesn't matter. He was on base with the Pete Alonzo homer, okay? And mm-hmm. so you're looking at a different game, even if it's five to four. I think it's a different game. Um, and and so – but again, I you know, I look at this Mets team, and I, and I think um, – you know, I think Buck Showalter – uh, has done a fantastic job, yes. and, and 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 he's an old school manager that I think uh, can meld with these young kids and the old kids, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that has what has propelled the Mets um, to having the great year that they've had. He's been able to uh, mix and mingle these guys that they have on their team, uh, and and they looked to me, to be honest with you, last night I texted you this during the game. To me, they look like the Mets wanted to win and the Braves were just out there trying not to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you asked me the question of why, what's the difference? Well, you're uptight if you're trying not to lose. Right. Okay? Uh, and that really makes you uh, – you you know, I've seen high school teams, which I thought the last few years, uh, even our, our own high school team has been very uptight. Uh, and, and they lose games that way. They commit errors and they do – you know, crazy things. You're you're always playing from behind. You know, teams that go out and win, that that want to win, that that are playing to win. If they're playing from behind, they don't think that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they look at it as a challenge, and it's like, oh, we're not playing from behind. Guess what? Then boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, they're they got the lead again. Uh, I just thought last night that we that or Thursday night that the the Braves just were playing to lose. They just didn't look as fired up as what I've normally seen, and that could have been, you know, they. Uh, they had an afternoon game on Wednesday. They had the flight in, and they're getting there, and they're, so they're just getting acclimated in New York. And uh, you know, it's a big crowd there at City Field. Um, you know, first time in forever that the Mets and the Yankees are in first place. Uh, so that's a you know, people are looking forward to a Subway Series. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, no. I, I I don't know that 
you know, as my son, you can ask my son this as well, and said, oh, the Yankees. I said, great, they play during the regular season, don't they? But then they get lost during the postseason, and that's the truth. Uh, so, uh, but the Mets were, were, were pumped up. I mean, they were fired up. They looked like, uh, you know, they were, they were going out there and it didn't matter, didn't matter what was going on. They were going to win the game. And, and we struggled offensively. I was and the reason I was looking up the Elias sports bureau last night, because I was looking up some stats basically. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking up some things, you know, I, I, I'm going to be hard on, on Acuna and I'm going to be hard on Ozuna, uh, those two guys. And let me tell you why. Um, you know, I think Ronald's bat is a tick late, mm-hmm. uh, from what I see. Um, he's always trying to pull the ball and, and he's always trying to hit a home run. Uh, he got a home run last night, but do you realize what? how many at bats he had gone without a home run? Overnight. It was like, close to yeah, 90. it was, yeah, it was close to 90 at bats. He'd gone without a home run. Never done that in his career. Nope. Okay. Uh, now, you know, coming back from a knee injury, um, I, I could see some of that, and we're just, uh, a, what, a little over a year removed from him having a knee injury, mm-hmm. so I can understand him maybe not being as strong. You know, he's not sliding like he used to, uh, so, because that was his sliding knee, so it's going to take him a little while, so, so I can almost live with something like that, but what makes Ronald so dangerous over the years was the fact that he could hit the ball the other way. Right. Okay. What has made Austin Riley so great over the last two to three years, not like his rookie year when he was trying to pull everything and trying to hit everything out, couldn't hit the off-speed pitch for nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, what has made him so dangerous these last two to three years was the fact that he can hit the ball the other way. Right. He took what he was pitched. Dansby Swanson started out the year. If you look at Dansby Swanson, his strikeouts, a lot of them were recorded in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Does he still strike out in games? Yes. But guess what? Everybody else does too. Right. But some of those pitches that he would swing at in the early part of the year that he doesn't anymore, that are outside, that are balls, that he lets go, that he doesn't try to pull. You know, Dansby has become that guy that they can just barely shift on because he hits the ball the other way. Okay. Right. And if you look, Who's the top two batting uh, for the Braves? It is Dansby. Austin Riley is number one, and Dansby Swanson is right behind him. Mm-hmm. And Matt Olson, Matt Olson is the third guy on the team. Okay? Um, so those two guys at the top know how to hit the ball the other way. And last night, what I saw was that I, I could beat I, – I could right now I could beat Marcelo Zuna at the plate. And I don't throw it but 70 or 80 miles an hour, okay? Uh, and all I got to do is throw it to the outside part of the plate, sweeping away from him, and mm-hmm. he's going to swing and miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he swung at one in the Phillies game that bounced up there and bounced to the outside some five, six, seven feet away, John. Okay? So how, how does that happen? Um, so maybe he needs to get his eyes checked, okay? Um <laughs> But I could beat him with the off-speed pitch. Outside, outside corner, uh, you know, just off the plate, he's going to swing at it. Because, again, he's trying to pull the ball. He's not going where it's pitched. And thus, you know, if you even pull that kind of pitch, you're going to pop it up. Mm-hmm. And teams, we haven't learned that yet. Same way with Ronald. 
if Ronald could just get that bat going the other way, because his danger is not only the fact, yes, he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. When he gets on base, he's extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. <laughs> Definitely. And anybody on base last night would have certainly helped. And I think in that inning that Rosario got on, we just did not recognize um, recognize needing base runners, okay? We just didn't recognize it. And, and lo and behold, uh, you know, um, we get strikeouts and we strike out too many times. Ronald at the top has got to be the table setter, but he's got to get back to hitting the ball the other way. That average is in the 250s. That's not what he's been used to hitting, and I think it's because he's trying to pull everything and he's trying to hit the ball out, and Ozuna's the same way. Uh, you know, Ozuna, Ozuna could be dangerous on the base pass himself mm -hmm. uh, if, he, if he needed because he's been there. He's a veteran. He's a smart guy, but he needs to start learning to hit the ball the other way because we got to get that, that going, and right now it's not happening. And I couldn't find – I wish I – what I really was looking for was, was um, you know, where they were hitting the ball. Um, and, and there's a reason why teams are shifting, you know, especially on those guys. Uh, next year you're not going to have the shift. Nope. Maybe that – maybe your average is going to go up and maybe it's going to be better, but you're still going to fall into the same traps of you can't hit the outside pitch. Right, and you're gonna get in trouble. And I'm telling you, I'm 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 watching it, John. If I could just be your eyes, okay, uh, you would be the same thing. You'd say the same thing. And I started to tell my wife last night with Ozuna at bat, but she gets tired of me saying it. By the way, um, <laughs> so uh, it, and it was our anniversary Thursday. Thursday, so um, you know, I, I subject. Thank you. I subjected her to watching the game. We went out to eat because after a meeting I had, uh, we ended up uh, going out to to eat at at uh, one of our local establishments and came home and had some cake. Um, but uh, she was tired. She'd gotten up. We went to a, a place called Sirloin Stockade here in Murray. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a steak place. Uh, um, you know, it's a local place that um, they um, has, you know, they have their, their uh, great share of fans that, that go to it, uh, loyal customers and been in business a long, long time. Uh, locally owned guy, uh, so it's a, it's a great place uh, to eat. Maybe one of those that we go to if you when you make it up here. Um, I'm looking but, for uh, when I come up. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, we're uh, we're we're gonna make sure you hit all the local joints, you know. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I I, I told I, I I was sitting there thinking I was like, okay, here it comes, Marcel. You're gonna get hit by that outside pitch and and you're gonna strike out because you're gonna swing and miss. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And the odd part about last night, too, was, was uh, you know, Buck Showalter doesn't make many mistakes as mm -hmm. a manager, okay? Mm -hmm. And I thought Edwin Diaz coming in in the eighth, um, and, and it almost sounded to me like, um, and, and this is what, that, that desperation maybe. Um, he brings him in in the eighth, and then that's their closer. And yeah. then he comes in in the ninth. He had never recorded a two-inning save. Okay, and so the job you have as a hitter would be to go up there and make him throw pitches, okay, mm -hmm. because he had never recorded a two-inning save. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are if we're talking about the analytics of things, that would have been the one stat that popped up on the iPad immediately 
Edwin Diaz in the game had never recorded a two-inning save, and every batter that went up there, I would have made them work that count deeply mm-hmm. so that he threw pitches. So not only do you you hopefully get on base and get some runners on and get some runs home against the guy who's the closer, but you also probably keep him from pitching on Friday night mm-hmm. because he, he pitched two innings and threw way too many pitches. So you get him out of a game, uh, and, and then hopefully you keep him out of more. But, um, you know, we just didn't do it. We just uh, didn't work the sorry. count enough. We're up there swinging at the – you know, Arcia, uh, unfortunately, Arcia was at 3-0 and and, and was um, – I thought, okay, we're going to get Arcia on. Michael Harris is going to come up, who already has a couple of hits on the night, uh, already a couple of RBIs, uh, you know, in a run himself. And he's going to come up and, and, and hit against Diaz. And this is going to be fun to watch. And Arcia, on a 3-0 count, gets one up and in, acts like he's going to swing and hits the bat, rolls down the first baseline, and Diaz uh, runs and gets it and runs the first base. Mm-hmm. And the game ends. So, you know, I thought a desperation move on, on, um, on Buck Showalter's part, but it worked out. And that's just yeah. kind of how the – as the old saying goes, that's how the ball bounces. Yep. Uh, I – I I didn't realize as good as he pitched. I didn't realize he had never done two uh, two inning saves. So that, that yeah, was... you know, closers closers now and now and again don't ever go two innings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the postseason, um, that's when managers get desperate, and mm-hmm. so they'll get to the eighth inning with two outs, and all of a sudden they'll get in trouble, and they'll bring in the closer to pitch four outs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that usually gets them in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, that usually they'll talk about that after the season and say, oh, boy, you know, you remember that game he brought the closer in to do four outs. Um, you know, Joe, Joe Torrey was good at it with Mariano Rivera, mm-hmm. um, you know, your your great save leader. He did it with him on several occasions in the postseason, but you know what? It worked out. You know, <laughs> so. you know Josh Hader, he, he said he will not go more than one inning. Well, you know, with as much – right, yeah, with as much – as Josh Hader has, much torque and everything else that Josh Hader has, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's throwing 100 miles an hour, and, and, and I don't blame him. And now closure is the same thing. Um, you know, you you struggle bringing them in. I, I don't want Kenley Jansen pitching two innings, I hate to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, because let me tell you how long those innings would be. I mean, we'd be an hour and only play two innings, okay? Yeah. Just with Kenley. And I mean this in no disrespect whatsoever – but it's he's too long. Now, if Spencer Strider came in and pitched those two innings, then that would be over in five minutes. Or Colin okay? McHugh. Yeah, or Colin McHugh. That's exactly right. Colin McHugh, give me the ball. Boom, throw. Give me the ball. Boom, throw. You know, I mean, and he's the same thing. You know, Strider could come in and throw 12 pitches and get six outs. McHugh could come in and throw six, 12 pitches and get six outs. You know, uh, I mean, that's just – that's just the way those guys are made. So uh, closers don't normally go more than more than an inning, and um, and part of the reason is um, you struggle bringing in. You know, like the long relievers, you can have them uh, go in and pitch two or three innings, and they don't mind. You know, they pitch that one inning, and then they go sit down, and then they come back out. They don't mind that. Your closers, they have the mindset of I got one inning. I don't want to go to the bull. I don't want to go to the dugout. I'm not used to going to the dugout. I'm used to going to the dugout either after we ha- I've just saved the game or I'm headed to the locker room because we lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
you know, closers don't usually go to the bull, go to the dugout to sit uh, and sit, and then they got to come back out and warm up again. They're not used to that, so that's why you know, a guy like Josh Hader, I can see why he doesn't want to go more than one inning. Um, I know this is kind of off topic, but the the radio guys were talking about it last night. Uh, they, you know, they've signed Rysiel Iglesias for uh, two more years after this. Yes. Yeah. Do you think Kenley Kenley Anson is done? Yeah, I think it is. I think you're talking a one-year deal is what you're looking at. Um, you know, they've got Iglesias, and they're going to have Kirby Yates, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I think it's a um, it's a, a, one of those where Jansen's going to get a one-year deal, or he got a one-year deal, and that's it. They're not going to want to pay him uh, that amount of money anymore for a guy who's who's got a lot of mileage on his arm. Uh, still a worthy guy for somebody. Uh, but, you know, he, he's pitched all those years in, in, in L.A. He'd certainly like to see him go back to L.A. and finish up his career there mm-hmm. uh, because that's what he's always been known for anyway. But, uh, yeah, I think you're looking at a one-year deal, and I think that's why they kind of may have composed that trade deadline deal to get Iglesias to maybe set that guy up as being the closer uh, for next year because you've got him for two years. Uh, and, and, Kirby, and picking up Kirby Yates, too, same thing. Um, you know, I think they've, they've got some leverage. They've got some uh, a backup plan just in case. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, I think a one-year deal for Jansen, and that's it. Yep. They also said that he might have come to the Braves and talked about, you know, I'm done because of I'm retiring because of injuries or health issues. Right. What do you think of that? Well, you talking about Jansen? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's had his fair share over the years, and. Um, you know, he was on the injured list earlier in the year for a, an irregular heartbeat. Right. Um, and for an athlete, that scares you more than anything. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, um, you know, you didn't really hear much about those. In my years of growing up, um, um, there was a guy uh, that played for Loyola Marymount, Hank Gathers, um, I'm, I'm who, a- who, who passed away during a basketball game uh, because of a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And you didn't hear much about that up until Hank Gathers. Uh, and then all of a sudden it became an issue. And it's probably been an issue for a lot of others. But as an athlete, you know, your heart is that thing that that um, that can really, you know, that, that really is something that you, you need to perform. Um, back uh, when my son, um, my son had some, some medical issues in his early going, uh, okay, we spent um, – uh, for well, for two years, um, we spent uh, a week in Vander at Vanderbilt one year, uh, and then we spent uh, another three or four days at Vanderbilt the, the next year. He was one and and had some surgery at, at uh, Vanderbilt. He was two and then had to go back. But when he was two, he had this thing called Kawasaki disease, um, and uh, it's just weird disease that if you don't get to it within like ten days of finding out you had it, mm-hmm. then it can cause problems down the road. And one of those problems was heart. Wow. Um, uh, we went to a cardiologist, uh, I guess for five years after he had this to make sure that his heart was still in good shape. Uh, and so as an at, and that's the one thing I was worried about him growing up, uh, was, was his heart and being able to play sports. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, you, you know, you worry about those things, um, because that heart is, is, is vitally important. So having that irregular heartbeat uh, is certainly something that can cause you problems. And Jansen's had his fair share of injuries. Surprisingly enough, he hadn't, 
that's the only time he's been on the injured list all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's probably spent a whole lot more time on the injured list uh, for the Dodgers than what we realize in the past. Right. Uh, but, but um, you know, we, we at least have, even for this year, have some backup plans if need be. Uh, right. and, that's, and that's a good thing. Um, so, changing subjects, moving on to tonight, uh, Friday night's game. Ian Anderson's going. Um, well, and again, John, uh, <laughs> I got to say this too. You know, we win the first game. Okay, then you're going to roll back to Ian Anderson, mm-hmm. who has struggled. But then you're going to tell me, well, he pitched himself a great game the last time he, he pitched. But that was the time. Oh. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's the other thing about about what I've seen over the last little bit is we we str- we get this. Uh, I got to watch the Braves struggle in some big games. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, struggle. Um, in, in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pitching doesn't look as crisp, uh, which is a struggle for me because, uh, you know, I, I think we have a great set of pitchers. Yes. Uh, starting pitchers. Uh, the pitching struggles in the big games, um, and, and then you roll around to the batting. You can beat, you know, the, the Nationals and, and uh, you know, the, the Marlins and those teams that aren't so great. You know, you can beat those teams. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the teams you need to beat. But these games like this are important, and you've got Ian Anderson going on Friday night, and, and now you're relying on Ian Anderson to get you a win. Um, mm-hmm. and, a, and you're relying on him to get you another six innings uh, against a Mets team that's already hitting the ball very well. Right. Uh, so, so that is where I'm struggling. I'm deeply struggling with this Ian Anderson going in because you're relying on him to pick you up the win. You know, and then – You've got the doubleheader on on Saturday, and Max Reed's going to pitch. I think the first game of it, uh, but then you're going to have Max. Yeah, you're going to have Max Scherzer. What a matchup, though, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to have Max Scherzer going, and then you're going to have our new guy Rizzi going uh, in the second game. And I don't know who's pitching for the Mets. I'm going to assume that it's going to be uh, one of those game time decisions, and it's right. going to all depend on what happens Friday night, and then maybe that first game on Saturday. Right. Um, and then you're going to have Degrom going on Sunday, Str- yeah, against Strider. Uh, so you're relying on now the back end guys to get you some wins, mm-hmm. and and so I, I I'm just I'm struggling, I'm really struggling because Ian has, but I believe we were talking about this the last time Ian Anderson pitched, he pitched a whale of a game, um, and and but the Braves have been able to win those games. Mm-hmm. Even though he's his, um, you know his wins on the stat sheet doesn't show it, they have been able to win those games. Right. But we need a win tonight. We desperately need a win tonight uh, because we need to get back, uh, you know, to that three and a half mark with the opportunity to, you know, to get that double header maybe on Saturday to pull even closer. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we just need to maintain where we're at. We don't need to lose anything. Uh, because the schedule doesn't get any easier, you know, and either for easy, easier for either team, mm-hmm. and and we're just not getting any help from anybody else. By the way, nope. uh, you know, the the Yankees didn't help. You know, the Mets beat the Yankees twice. They certainly didn't help with anything. Uh, you can roll around and look at the Marlins. They certainly didn't help with anything on the weekend. Um, and so we're not getting any help from anybody. We got to start getting help from somebody to get back in this thing. Um. 
Well, if Ian listened to Saturday, uh, Tuesday's episode like we thought he listened to fr- last Friday's episode, then he'll uh, he'll pitch well tonight because he was excited. Let's hope so, man. Let's hope so. Let's hope so because we need him. We need him for a, a good game Friday night, and then we need the rest of the guys to to roll in there on uh, Saturday. It's a day night doubleheader on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Fried's going that first game, which, which is at noonish. And then uh, the normal 6.30-ish, whatever, uh, start uh, for uh, the night game. So, And then it's a regular Sunday game, I believe, uh, day game uh, on Sunday afternoon. So uh, big things. We just, you know, we got to buckle down. But I, I think in this hitting world, uh, it's got to start at the top. Uh, and um, I don't know if Ronald's pushing or not, uh, just to relax and get in there and let's, uh, you know, Hit the ball, hit the ball the other way, get on base, get the doubles, whatever you need. Uh, forget worrying about your home runs. Right. And uh, get on base. Get on base. Well, I'm, I'm really excited for these two matchups with, uh, you know, Max Freed versus Max Scherzer. And, yeah. Uh, Strider versus DeGrom. And that's, those are yeah. two power pitchers on the Strider DeGrom and then two finesse pitchers who can also run it up there with uh, yeah. Friday. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah they're, yeah, I, I, you know, the, the the matchups that you want are right here. Mm-hmm. And we knew this was going to be the matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, but the matchups that there's up for, for some great matchups, and so have the Braves. Um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we can, um, you know, use with Edwin Diaz having to pitch two innings last night, and he's probably not going to pitch tonight anyway to begin with because he did go the two innings. Right. So you may see him out. If he does pitch tonight, you may not see him at all in that doubleheader on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, which that could, again, present itself with some issues. Uh, but those doubleheaders, boy, they really cause issues with teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like doubleheaders. I've been to a couple of doubleheaders over the years, and it's fun to go and watch two games. <laughs> you know, you get your, get your money's worth. And um, I, at the last I, – I take that back – uh, sadly enough, the last doubleheader I went to was probably back in the mid-80s, oh, okay? okay. Um, and it was the Dodgers and the Cardinals, mm. okay? Uh, great game because Jack Clark was was uh, the, the great hitting first baseman for the Cardinals who hit everything out that year, I think, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And we sat out in left field, okay? And they walked Jack Clark just about every time. And the <laughs> times they didn't walk Jack Clark, guess what he did? He hit, hit it out. Just a home run. Yeah, to left field. And my friend, actually, that I went with, um, he actually caught – we sat on the left field bleachers. We sat right on the front row of the left field. Actually, we sat on the second row, but the second game, the people that were right in front of us left. So, we moved up to the to the front row. And mm-hmm. Pedro Guerrero – I don't know if you remember Pedro Guerrero, a long-time, you know, Dodger. <laughs> um, Pedro Guerrero comes up, hits a home run, and my friend catches it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so – yeah, so that was great. That was my one doubleheader moment, and that was it, you know. Uh, so, well, anyway. The last doubleheader I went to was a Rome Braves game. as against Augusta. Yeah. And my wife said, never again. <laughs> she said, it's hot. Double, yeah. Yeah, doubleheaders are, are uh, you know, it's – of course, nowadays, if you go to a doubleheader at a baseball game, Predominantly, doubleheaders are day-night, so they're going to have different sets of people coming in. You don't usually get to stay. But if you go to a doubleheader now at a baseball game, it may cost you $1,000. Yeah. Um, 
because 750 of it would be on food. You know, well, this time it was uh, well, the minor leagues were doing seven innings at the time, and they're still doing seven inning double headers. Sure. And this was back to back. You had like a 30 minute window between games. Yes. And she's yeah. like, nope, this is too hot. This is too long. Never again. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't blame with it being hot. I, I don't, I don't halfway blame her there. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah. Let's, let's hope for a Braves, uh, good performance this weekend. And we'll, uh, hopefully we're talking about some, uh, wins this coming up, uh, Tuesday. I, I hope so. And I apologize to our listeners. We got off on a very variety of subjects and, uh, as we normally do, but, uh, but it was fun and, and yeah, let's go Braves. Um, Thanks, guys, for listening through our diatribe of broadcasting advice and broadcasting <laughs> uh, theatrics earlier. Um, yes. Really appreciate you guys listening to the show. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter at Ethos Braves. Um, you can follow me at The Blind Donkey Runner or on Facebook um, at John Robert McKay and the lovely, the wise Jeremy Bell is at Jeremy Bell. That's it. Uh, yep. And then you can follow the show on any platform, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, I'm not sure of any other platforms, but there are some. Um, and as always, guys, go Braves. Go Braves. <laughs>